Okay, we had called this morning Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday. So let me explain what that is before we get in to talk about it. A vision, if you like, is painting a picture of the future. Now those of you who have seen my artistic skills uh, will appreciate uh, my expertise in the area of art, drawing and painting. And to save any embarrassment, I won't be doing any of that this morning. Embarrassment for you, obviously, not, not me. Um, but I do want to be painting some word pictures. And uh, I want to be asking a sort of question, something along the lines of, what will Jubilee Church look like in a year's time? Or maybe in five years' time? or perhaps even ten years' time. I want us this morning to imagine what Jubilee could be like in the future. One of Lydia's favourite programmes on CBeebies is Story Makers. And those of you who have got uh, children of a similar age, or those of you who watch the kids' channels, uh, we'll, 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 know the, uh, we'll know the story, we'll know the programme and uh, the, uh, the person speaking or reading will say, imagine, imagine, imagine a story. And out of the story making machine comes a little book and a story, normally about a blue cow, if you've seen it, which is, I think they're my favourite stories actually. Um, but in, in that programme you've got somebody imagining a story. Well, this morning I don't want us to imagine a story I want us to imagine what Jubilee might be like in the years ahead. I want to imagine what God will do in us together. I want us to imagine what God may do in you, individually, and what your part is to play in our future together. So are you ready ready to imagine? Some of you aren't convinced. Are you ready to do a bit of dreaming this morning? Uh, I would ask if you are going to do any dreaming, you'd stay awake and do the dreaming. That would really bless me. But I do want us to dream a bit. I want us to imagine what the sort of thing is that we're going for. What sort of church you want Jubilee to be? So let's pray, shall we? And uh, ask God to be with us and help us in these things this morning. Father, thank you that uh, you are here this morning in our midst. You promised you... You promised that you'll be with us and uh, Lord, we've felt your presence and we thank you for meeting with us already as we've worshipped you. And so we pray now, Lord, as we look at these things together, as we imagine what you're going to be doing amongst us in years ahead. Father, I pray you'd speak to us this morning. Lord, I pray you would ignite hearts for us, Lord, to hear from you, that you might speak to us about all you want us to be involved in together. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want us to have a familiar structure as we go. And uh, I've preached before on uh, what it is we're going for as a church in terms of our vision being to love God, to love one another, to love those who don't know Jesus yet, and to reach the nations. And uh, I looked at that at the end of last year. We spent three weeks over it. We could easily have spent four uh, I've looked at one thing a week. So, I, I don't have that amount of time this morning. I don't have that much time to do, you know, four preaches in one. And so, we won't necessarily be spending a whole lot of time on each one. But as we go, I want us to imagine what it would be that God is saying to us with these headings. 
What it is that God is building in us, in us as a church together, as we look at some of these things. And as I was preparing this week, I really felt not to write down so many notes as such, but rather speak from my heart. And uh, quite often when I preach, I write things out uh, in quite amount of detail. Um, but I felt this, this week, I didn't want to do that so much, but rather I felt God speaking to my heart and hope that would come across this morning. So that's where we're going. That's our structure, if you like. So I guess our priority as a church and our priority as individuals who are following Jesus is number one, to love God. Would you agree? You can answer questions if I ask them. That's okay, it's allowed. So would you agree? Yes. Our number one priority is to love God. And that applies to us individually. It applies to us as a church as well. Now, I'm sure you'd know the the passage in John chapter 4 where Jesus spends some time talking to a woman at a well. She's uh, come out there to draw some water and Jesus spends some time chatting to her uh, and talking to her. And and in that conversation, we learn that God is after worshippers. He's after worshippers. She gets a bit hung up about where it is she should go to worship and Jesus is saying, that isn't so much the issue, but rather God is after your hearts. God is after worshippers. John Piper said mission exists because worship doesn't. Worship is what God is after. So I wonder, are you a worshipper? Would you be described as a worshipper? I don't just mean on Sunday mornings as we gather together, as we, as we meet in, up here in this upper room for a couple of hours on a Sunday morning, but during the week, are you a worshipper? Are you worshipping God? I love, to, as I said before, often to go out for walks and to pray and be with God. And, and often as I, as I go, I'll, I'll start singing. And I have to confess, often I'll sort of look round behind me and make sure there's nobody too close. And uh, I'll start worshipping God. And, and um, it's great to be with God in that context. Maybe in the car, stick a CD on. Start worshipping God. Are you a worshipper? I want us to be a church that's known for being a worshipping church. And we get a church that's a worshipping church by being full of individuals who are worshippers. Individually. So that when we gather together, it's the gathering of the worshippers. So it isn't just a gathering of people and, oh, this is a bit of time we worship during the week. But rather we gather and it's a gathering of worshippers to bless God and to honour him. That's what I want to encourage us to go for. I want us to be praying this week. You'll have got a, a sheet of details of the prayer meetings that looks something like this. Thank you, John. Just got there in the end. And the first thing I've put on here is to pray for an increase of God's presence in our meetings. I want to ask you to do that this week as you pray. Maybe on your own as you pray and fast or as you go to one of the prayer meetings across the city. Let's be praying for God's presence. You may remember when Solomon dedicated the temple in the Old Testament, he prayed and God's presence came so powerfully, we're told the priests couldn't do their work because God's presence was so thick. You see, that's what we've got to offer. We've got to offer God's presence to people in our meetings. Now, if you want to be entertained by a comedian... I think I said this on Wednesday. You go to a comedy club. If you want to be entertained by the latest bands, you go to a gig. 
when we gather together, when we come to meet together as a church, is God's presence that we've got to offer people. So let's be praying for more of God's presence. Moses wouldn't go forward without it, would he? Do you remember Moses saying to God, Lord, if you don't, God, if you don't come with us and we don't have your presence, then, I, then I'm not going. It was so important to him. And I want us to have that same priority on God's, with God's presence as we gather. So be it Sundays, be it as you gather in small groups, in life groups during the week, be it as we gather to pray together, let's be asking God, God, would your presence come, please? Let's be asking God for his presence. Things like uh, God's presence would include us giving space to uh, spiritual gifts, giving space to the Holy Spirit to move. Some of you were with us on Wednesday as uh, we looked at these things together and uh, gave some time to to learning together uh, to uh, operate in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We had a fantastic time. Folks, if you weren't there, I think you missed out on a great evening. It was wonderful. It's a wonderful sense of God's presence. And it was great to see new people step out in gifts and try things they hadn't done before and be listening to God and bringing stuff to encourage us. And I came away so encouraged from Wednesday evening. I, I hope many of you did as, as, as you were there. It was great to see it. But guys, that isn't just for a midweek training evening. That's what it should be like when we gather together in any context, be it a Sunday morning celebration, be a life group during the week, be a prayer meeting one evening. Let's be going for God's presence. Amen? And part of loving God too is loving God in everyday life. It isn't just loving God in worship, but it's loving God in everyday life. And so I wonder, are you you doing that? Does your work life reflect the fact that you love God? You're you're a follower of Jesus. Does your home life reflect that you're wanting to honour God? in your home, and love him. Loving God is putting him first. Putting him first. So, above all other decisions, submitting it all to him. Decisions about jobs or careers, about relationships, about where to move or live. All these things we submit to God's authority. Because we want to love him, we want to honour him, we want him first in our life. So loving God isn't just about our gathering together. Loving God is about the way we live our lives every day of the week. Wouldn't it be great, and I've got a few of these during my message, wouldn't it be great if we were known as a church where you could meet with God because there was such a sense of God's presence in our meetings? Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if we took seriously what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14 where he says... Everyone has a, and goes on to list a number of spiritual gifts. Wouldn't it be great if we gathered together expecting everyone to have something? Now, logistically, probably we couldn't get through everyone because we'll be here till tea time, but we came with the expectation that everyone would have something. That you and I came with the expectation that God's going to use us today. He may use us to bring something to encourage one another. Wouldn't that be great? So let me urge you, come with that in mind. As you gather in prayer meetings this week, as we meet together, meet in life groups, as we gather on a Sunday, wouldn't it be great if we took that seriously and we came with something to bring, ready to encourage one another and to bless God. Amen?
So that's loving God. Number two is loving one another. Loving one another. In John chapter 13, Jesus says this, verse 34, John chapter 13. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Interesting, isn't it? Three times in the space of two verses, Jesus tells us to love one another. I wonder if he's trying to make a point here. What do you think? Would you, maybe he's trying to tell us something. You see, it's interesting, isn't it, how we recognise as being Jesus' disciples. Is it by our meetings, by our praying or witnessing? Jesus says it's by our love for one another. And it's because it's so countercultural, it's because it's so different to what people experience in everyday life that it will make such an impact on people. Real love, real care for one another, building community. Friends, it's what we're going for. A community of people is not just a group of people who happen to turn up at the same place each week at the same time. Maybe Sunday mornings, half ten, quarter to eleven for some of you. Or later. That's not a community. A community of people is a group of people who love one another, who know one another, who are known by each other, and who love one another. It's interesting, isn't it? In Acts chapter 2, we're told that the early church, Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. It's a strong word, isn't it? Devoted. They were devoted to it. They weren't just acquaintances, weren't just friends. They were devoted to one another. So let me, let me ask you, are you devoted? Are you and I, are we devoted to one another? Think about your life group for a moment. Or as they have been prior to next week. Previously, your cell group, if you've been part of one. Think about it, you're a small group. Are you devoted to it? Or rather, more importantly, are you devoted to the people who are in it? Is your care and concern for one another, is it just superficial? Or is it stunning? Is it real love and real care for one another? Are you devoted? Maybe some of you aren't even part of a life group yet. The early church were family together. They met together in small meetings and in large And so that's important. Let me me urge you, if you're not part of a small group yet, get part of one. Become part of one. Get involved so you can be devoted to one another. The the early early church, the believers in the early church, you read in the book of Acts, met together every day. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together. This was community life. And part of it was showing hospitality to one another. And it wasn't that uh, it was something that had to be forced, but rather it was a natural expression of their newfound faith. They wanted to be with one another. So much so they met together every day. Now, if the totality of our Christian experience for us is Sunday morning and maybe Tuesday or Wednesday evening, we've missed it. We've missed what the early church had. 
If the only time that you're in contact with those in your life group is when you happen to meet them midweek or bump into them on a Sunday, then you're missing something. We're missing something together. That's not New Testament Christianity. We've always said you want to be building New Testament Christian, a New Testament star church, living out New Testament Christianity in the 21st century. That's what we're going for. So they were meeting together every day. They were in and out of each other's homes. They were eating together, having fun, sharing their lives. I'm not saying necessarily you've got to see people every day, but just that sense of being with one another, that sense of living life together, living as a community together. Now, I'm not suggesting that we all sell up and move into a commune together, you know, like a giant butlins or something. <laughs> That's not what was happening here. It's not that somehow they were living together like that, but rather they were sharing lives together. Well, we can do that just as easily by seeing one another, being in and out of one another's homes, We can use modern technology to help us. A quick text here, how did that meeting go you had? quick phone call or email. As well as seeing one another face to face and being in and out of one another's homes. Hospitality was so important to them. Eating together was fundamental. And let let me underline it again. I've mentioned this so often and I'll probably keep mentioning it. So uh, I don't apologise for that. But we need to understand that hospitality isn't the same as posh entertaining. Now, posh entertaining is when you get the best cutlery out. You get the best plates. You get the, you know, the really nice glasses. And when you do the sort of the four-course meal, or more maybe, and you have some friends around, have a dinner party type evening. Now listen, I love evenings like that. If you like throwing them, I can give you some dates that Sarah and I are free. But they're, they're great. And that's good fun to do. And it's good fun to host it. And it's good fun to be in that sort of context. But listen, that is not hospitality. Hospitality is saying, hey, we're eating at six. Do you want to come round for an hour and eat with us? Hospitality is being in and out of one another's homes. Not necessarily putting on an extra special meal, but just putting on an extra dish. Having an extra place at your table. Or extra couple of places and saying, Hey, why don't you come and eat with us just before you go out for the evening or before you do something else? It's sharing lives with one another. And as we do that, friends, we, we build community. We give ourselves the structure and it helps us to care for one another, to love one another, to get to know one another. I mean, what do we do when we get together with friends? We eat together most often. Well, it's not, uh, it's not sort of rocket science, is it? Because it just relaxes us. It's, it's a way you get to know people over a meal. Let, let, us in, let me encourage us to keep going for this. To keep building community. Keep eating together. Showing love to one another like this. I think our problem too often is we've got into a meeting mentality. I think this would apply to the, the, the church in the UK. We sometimes think that church equals meeting. And we think that that's it. Well, I think the early church had a meeting mentality so much as a lifestyle mentality. Because if we get into a meeting mentality, thinking that's it, we're missing out. That's not what they experienced. We're designed for relationships. You and I were created for relationships. That's how God made us. He made us for a relationship with himself. He made us for a relationship with one another. 
That's what we're designed for. We're designed to live in communities. And it's so often what people are missing in this day and age. But friends, it's something that we've got to offer. Real community, real love, real care for one another. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if everyone, I mean everyone, who is part of Jubilee really felt loved, accepted, valued, part of things? Wouldn't it be great if hospitality and eating together was the norm? It just happens. We're just in and out of one another's homes, sharing lives, being with one another, encouraging one another, caring for one another. They wouldn't be part of a church like that. Wouldn't it be great? So how do, how do we build on what we've got? How do, we, how do we go further? Well, friends, it's quite simple. We just do it. We just do it. We pick up the phone and say, hey, come on over. We speak to somebody, maybe on a Sunday, and say, hey, do you want to come around? We open up our lives, open up our homes, and share lives together. In the book of Acts, we find that their care for one another, their love for one another, was practical and financial as well as relational. Acts 2.45, we read that the, 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 the church, they're selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had needs. So that's the standard we should be aiming for. That sort of care and love for one another. It went further than just being friends, just building community. Rather, it was a financial and a practical care as well. And that's sacrificial. It costs us, literally. But it does, it costs us. But then shouldn't our giving to God be sacrificial? Hasn't his giving to us been sacrificial in him sending his son? So meeting one another's needs, giving to the ongoing work of the church, giving to God, honouring him, it should be sacrificial. And it should be part of who we are. A natural part of following Jesus. Wouldn't it be great if it could be said of us like it could of the early church. There were no needy persons among them because they took care of one another. So let's make sure we're taking care. Let's make sure we're building community, taking care of one another. As I've alluded to already, the way that we do that, probably the best way that I can think of for us to do that as we grow is with life groups. Because as we grow and as more people are looking in on a Sunday then it's harder to know one another. It's harder to know everybody. And I, I, I wouldn't think there's any one of you here this morning who knows well every other person who's here. And this morning there are a load of us away. So even the size we are now, we can't do it in this context. It's too big. And increasingly as we grow, it'll become even more difficult. So listen, look, the way that we're doing it, the structure we're giving to a building community building relationships is in small groups. We're calling them life groups. They start in just over a week's time. Let me urge you, if you're not part of one yet, get involved in one. And now, now it may not be you can get to it every week. Because I know for some of us, our lives are quite crazy. And our work, work pressures are, are huge demands. So it may not be you can be there every week. But remember, it's not just about a meeting, it's about sharing lives. So get involved in a group. Start building some relationships there, building friendships. It may not be be there every week, 
But at least it is that there are some people who are looking out for you and you can be looking out for them. Showing love, care, and uh, as we build together. For some of you, you might be thinking, well, actually, I quite fancy a change. I've been part of a cell group for a while and I just fancy a bit of a change. I want to go to a different group. Well, that's okay. You can do that. But there's sort of two things you need to do first. Well, one thing you need to do first, and let me encourage you for a second thing. If you feel like, actually, I want to change groups, then now's a really good time to do that. But go to your group leader that you've been part of and tell them, say, thanks, it's been great being part of your group, but I just fancy a change now. And if you're, if you're a group leader, don't get too defensive at that point. Say, okay, bless them as they go, and pray for them. And, um, and, let, and then if that's you, and you've said that to your group leader, then make sure you get stuck into another group real quick. Is that okay? So you might think, actually, I fancy a change. Well, get involved in another group and make sure you speak to your existing leader first. They've got an idea what's going on. So that's loving one another. Okay, number three, pressing on quick. Loving those who don't know Jesus yet. I think there are three parts to this. Loving those who don't know Jesus yet. I think the three parts of this. Welcoming in, reaching out with words, and reaching out with actions. I think they're the three parts to it. So firstly, welcoming in. Is Jubilee a welcoming church? Are we a welcoming community? I hope the answer is yes. Because we've always tried to be. So I want to ask us the question, are we building a community that is open, that is welcoming to new people, Friends, we need to work hard on this. We, we mustn't forget this because it's, it's easy to just to relate to people we know. We need to be welcoming and friendly to everyone. You see, it's easy to be welcoming and friendly to someone who's like you. Maybe a similar age or a similar background or I've got kids the same age. Whatever it is that is a connection, it is much easier to be welcoming and friendly to someone like that. But we need to work hard often when it's someone who's not like that. Maybe they're a different stage of life. Maybe they've got a different background. Maybe they even speak a different language. We need to be welcoming and friendly to everyone, regardless of their background or race or age or life experience. Whatever it might be, we might say that's a barrier to overcome. Let's make sure we're overcoming it. You see, Jubilee may not be the largest church in the city, though it be bigger than many. We may not have the biggest bands. We probably haven't got the best preacher. And we don't run the most ministry programs. But listen, there is one thing that we can do and can be. We can make Jubilee the friendliest church in Derby. That is achievable. We can do it. We can do it. And I want us to encourage us to make sure we're doing it. Now, we have a break, don't we, often during worship and the preach. And that's almost become a sort of coffee break. There's a whole queue over there. Listen, that isn't a coffee break. The idea of that is you get to meet people that you haven't seen before. It's a great opportunity to go and say hello to somebody you don't know. Or maybe connect with somebody you haven't seen. So I want to urge us to use that time well. It should be, actually, not the queue at the coffee urn, but there should be a queue of people waiting to speak to anybody who's new. 
Now, if you're new here, I'm sorry, you're going to get a queue of people waiting to speak to you afterwards. Now, I'm not suggesting you do queue up, because that may be a little bit intimidating. But listen, let's make sure we're using that time wisely to welcome people who are new. It's great to see you. Introduce yourselves. Find out how they heard about us. Welcome them. Be pleased to see them. Invite them around for lunch. Invite them to your life group. Get to know them. Let's make sure we're using that time really well and, and really effectively. Increasingly, I think my priority on a Sunday, and I'm going to tell you this so you don't get offended, is I'm going to be making sure we're speaking to new people. I want to be making sure that I'm speaking to new people. Now often there's other things that I'm involved in on a Sunday, like praying for people and ministering, and that's important as well. So that may be on my list of things to do on a Sunday morning. Praying for people, ministering to people. But as well as that, it's speaking to new people. So if you think, hey, Graham hasn't said hello to me this morning. Oh, have I offended him? Or, you know, is there something wrong there? Listen, if you've offended me, I'll tell you. You probably haven't. But it's just that I want to speak to people who are new. Make sure they feel welcomed. I'll only pray for those who need praying for. Is that okay? Does that make sense? Is that alright? If you think that actually you could help us particularly in welcoming new people, then there's a meeting on Wednesday evening at John and Vows at 8 o'clock. After and uh, we're going to launch again. We've, we've talked about it before, but I think we're in a place now where to really go for it is to have a welcome team. And friends, this doesn't take the rest of us off the hook, okay? All it is is having a team of people who can host, who can be on the front foot to welcome people, and to help people be integrated and feel a part of the church. That's the purpose of it. So I'm looking for, this is my classified ad, if you like. I'm looking for people with a friendly smile, an easy nature, and a warm heart. That describe any of you? I think it does. And if that's you, then I'd love you to be part of the welcome team. So we can make sure people feel welcomed on a Sunday, we host them well, and we help integrate people into church life. Wouldn't it be great if everyone was made to feel really welcome? Wouldn't it be great if Jubilee was the friendliest church in the city? Amen? Think we can go for that? I think we can go for that. As well as welcoming in, it's reaching out with words. Jesus, we find in the Gospels, had compassion on people. Often we read, when he saw a crowd, we read that he had compassion. Time and time again, the word comes up. Jesus had compassion. In Luke 15, we find three stories that Jesus told about lost things. Maybe you know the story as well. There's uh, someone who loses a coin. Then there's a lost sheep. And then finally there's a lost son. Every time the, so Jesus ups the ante, if you like, and the, the thing that's lost is of greater worth. But what happens in every, every story that Jesus tells there in Luke 15, something of value is lost, it is searched for, and then it is found. And a great party ensues as a result. And what Jesus is telling us from that passage is that not just things that are lost, but rather people that are lost to God matter to him. Lost people matter to God. Do they matter to you? Do they matter to us?
Last year, about a year or so ago, we had a little series, didn't we? Maybe you were, part, maybe you were here then, called Just Walk Across the Room. And uh, we were encouraging one another to take the initiative in whatever situation we found ourselves in, be it at work or be it a social, a social situation, we were encouraging us to take the initiative to walk across the room and to hold out a hand of friendship and say, Hi, great to see you. And make an effort to build a friendship. Make an effort to build a bridge. And to see if out of that there might be an opportunity to share something of your faith, to share something of the love of God. So are you walking across rooms? Or is it just a preaching series that Graham did last year sometime? Or are you still making an effort in whatever situation you find yourselves in to, to walk across the room and to reach out that hands? Nice to have you awake. Are we still going for that? Are we building relationships with people who are far from God? Are we prioritising that? Whatever context you find yourselves in, be it in a work situation or with neighbours, or maybe you go to the gym, or maybe it's a sports activity, or a stamp collecting club, or archery, or knitting for Mel and, and others. Whatever it might be, whatever it might be where you've got an opportunity to meet people who are far from God's, are you taking the initiative? And if you think, actually, I'm not really meeting anybody, then get involved in something where you can. In a few weeks' time, we've got an evening, haven't we, with Ian McCormack on the 6th of March at the spot. I want to encourage us, make sure we're inviting people to that. But in order to do that, we need to know some people to invite. Sounds obvious, but it's true. So let's make sure we're inviting people, we're building friendships, and uh, we're, we're prioritising that. Wouldn't it be great if you and I we're prioritising friendships with people who are far from God. Wouldn't it be great? Imagine this for a moment. Imagine what it would be like. Wouldn't it be great if 50% of the church were newly saved? Wouldn't that be great? And it's quite possible if each one of us saw just one person saved. Not two or three or four, just one. If each one of us saw one person come to faith, be added to the church, two things would happen. Firstly, we'd double in size. Secondly, half of the church would be newly saved. Wouldn't it be great if there are people here who are saying, hey, yeah, I'm just recent around here, but I came to an Alpha course because so-and-so invited me. Or I came to a guest event because so-and-so invited me along. And I, I, you know, eventually, after a few weeks or months, yeah, I put my trust in Jesus too. Wouldn't it be great if some of your friends were sitting here? Think of some of your friends just now who don't know Jesus yet. And look at some of the seats that are around you. Wouldn't it be great if they were sitting there? If they were part of us? If they could say in a few weeks or months' time, then, yeah, now I'm trusting in Jesus too because so-and-so invited me a lot. They reached out a hand of friendship. They took the initiative. They shared something with me that was important to them, their relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know what? I've never been the same since. Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great? But another part of, um, of this is reaching out with actions. Now I think this is an area that God is speaking to us about because we've been good at this over New Day 
We've had New Day in Derby for two years now, third year and final year for us this summer. But it hasn't probably been our strongest suit for the rest of the year. Now the Gospel means good news. It's good news. Good news of the Kingdom of God. Not just with words, but with actions as well. Demonstrating that the Kingdom of God has come. So we talked about New Day. We've got it for the last time in Derby this summer from the 2nd to the 7th of August. We talked about it last week. So, for those of you who are in work, have you been in, seen your boss, filled out the holiday form, got the time off work yet? Friends, it needs all of us to make it happen, to host 500 or so young people every day for five afternoons. It needs all of us to play our parts. It needs all of us to to be involved with this. So I want to urge you, it's been great to do it for the last two years, This is our last shot at it this year. It's going somewhere else next year. We won't have this opportunity again. So let's make sure we're making the most of it. Please, I want to ask you to take time off if you can. Rearrange your schedule. Plan your summer well. Be around during that week. And uh, we can have a great opportunity to once again really impact the city. We can do things over that week that we can't do the rest of the year. Because suddenly we've got hundreds of enthusiastic kids who want to be involved, want to be part of what we're doing, want to reach this city for Derby. They're coming to help us in our mission. That's why they're here. So let's make sure we're hosting them well and receiving them well. It's a great opportunity for us. Dave Devonish, in his book, What on Earth is the Church For?, says this, he says, Each local church is to see itself as a community of people who are the agents of kingdom social action. Let me say it again. Each local church is to see itself as a community of people who are the agents of kingdom social action. And I feel God has been speaking to me about this. Just in recent weeks, I feel God has been challenging me about what we're doing in this whole area of Christian life, this whole area of ministry. We had a prayer meeting last Sunday evening here that Mel led, and she led it well. But I have to confess, and I ought to confess it publicly, that really I wasn't particularly engaged with it. I was there in body, but I wasn't particularly engaged with what was happening in the prayer meeting. And the reason was this. The reason that I felt was this. I felt God speaking to me. And I felt Him speaking to me from Matthew chapter 25. And if you know Matthew chapter 25 you may know that it's quite a challenging passage. Because Jesus says this, he describes what will happen at the end of time. Let me read it to you. It says, When the Son of Man comes in all his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothes you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you didn't clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not come and look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do, one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. And as Keith Green says in his song, taken from the same passage, the only difference between the sheep and the goats was what they did or didn't do. It's quite a challenging passage, isn't it? Now, I'm not suggesting for one moment, let me make it really clear. I'm not suggesting that we become a Christian by what we do. We follow Jesus by trusting in him. We become a Christian, we follow Jesus, we are forgiven for our sin by his grace and grace alone. It's his forgiveness. That's the way in. That's not what Jesus is saying here. But what he's underlining is something that James underlines in his letter in James chapter 2. What he's underlining is that faith is expressed in deeds. It has an outworking in what we do. It's not that we're saved by what we do, but rather it's a natural expression of being saved. In Galatians chapter 2, Paul talks about his visit to the apostles in Jerusalem and he says, all they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor. The very thing I was eager to do, he says. It was part of the gospel for him, remembering the poor. And I guess for me, I'm becoming increasingly aware of social needs in this city that, if I'm honest, have just passed me by very often up until now. Well, I've seen them, but they haven't had such an effect on me. And I feel God is challenging me. I feel he's challenging us as a church. Are we going to stand up and reach out for him? Reach out for social justice? Reach out for righteousness? Stand up for that? Or are we going to turn away? And friends, I fear the consequences if we just turn away. If we say, no, it's not for us. Someone else can do it. Our deeds need to match our words. Our deeds need to match what we've said that we're committed to with our words. Now, we can't do everything, but we can do something. And there are lots of needs in this city, lots of things we look around, things like homelessness or loneliness, people desperately needing parenting skills and help with bringing up kids, things like debt advice, pregnancy counselling, the list could go on and on. And I want to suggest to us this morning that we can make a difference. That you and I, that Jubilee Church, can make a difference. In fact, we should make a difference. 
And I want to suggest to us that we will make a difference. That we will stand for some of these things. And so I want to ask you, this week as we pray, this week as we get before God, can we pray and ask God what he's saying to us about these things? Let's be asking God, Lord, what are you saying to us? What is it you have for us? We can't do everything, but we can do something. What is it that God has for us? What is it that he's saying to us at this time? Wouldn't it be great if Jubilee Church, and that's you and me, that's us, wouldn't it be great if we were standing up for the disadvantaged and marginalised? Wouldn't it be great if we were bringing good news to the poor? Just imagine it in years to come. Wouldn't it be great hey, if we had a project for those who found themselves homeless or to help those in debt, to help those who are struggling with various problems of life? Wouldn't it be great? Wouldn't it be great if we were standing up to make a difference? In Luke chapter 4, we read that the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to Jesus. Unrolling it, he found the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. That ties in with our name, Jubilee Church. Jubilee Church. In the Old Testament, the year of Jubilee happened every 50 years. It was when property was returned to its original owner, when land was returned to the family from which it was bought, when all debts were cancelled, when slaves were free. And friends, we ought to be proclaiming the year of Jubilee now. The year of Jubilee is here. The year of God's favour. Wouldn't it be great if people in Derby not only heard about Jubilee Church, but experience the blessing of Jubilee and being part of that. Don't you think? Wouldn't that be great? Friends, these things are ahead of us. They're before us. There are challenges ahead. They're huge. Massive financial challenges. Huge logistic challenges. Huge resource challenges. But friends, if the church doesn't stand up to make a difference, who will? We should be the ones who are standing up for social justice, for righteousness, for bringing good news to the broken, disadvantaged and marginalised. Friends, I want us to be going for this. So this week, can I ask you, pray. Let's be asking God together what it it is that he has for us. Can we do that? Let's just, one more thing, real quick, before we wrap up. The final part of what we're going for together is reaching the nations. Reaching the nations. In Isaiah 49, Isaiah prophesies God speaking and he says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servants, restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Our mission field as a church is easily defined. Our area of operation is quite simply described. It's this, to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. And it means two things. Firstly, it means reaching other nations on our doorstep. We are privileged to live in a multicultural city where there are many different nations and people groups represented. What a wonderful privilege 
for us. I grew up in a place that wasn't like that. But I'm now living in a place that is, and it's great. So we've got an opportunity to reach nations, not by getting on a plane, but by getting on a bus. By taking a a walk of a few blocks away, we can impact people from other nations and other people groups. So I want us to keep going for that. I want Jubilee to become a vibrant, multicultural church that represents the city that we live in. It has a mix of cultures, a mix of languages. I mean, wouldn't it be great if on a Sunday morning we were worshipping God in languages other than English? Wouldn't that be fun? And I don't mean tongues, okay? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? But as well as reaching nations on our doorstep, it also means reaching nations that are further afield. And uh, you know that Dave and Hannah from Loughborough have gone to Russia and we've been involved as a region in sending them and supporting them, which is great. But some of you even sitting here this morning have got a heart for other nations. Maybe you've even gone there or are planning to go. Jeff and Margot going in and out of Turkey and they're going again this year to encourage Christians in that land. Some of you we may send. You'll go on our behalf. We will pray for you. We'll support you, maybe even give financially to make it happen. Another example would be Dash. Planning to go to Zimbabwe later this year for 10 months from September to work with a project called Farming God's Way and other things in that nation. He's going to be gone in, is it February I think it is? For, for three weeks to sort of lay some groundwork for that. So we're going to be praying and supporting Dash in that and the Sunday before he goes actually well, the prayer meeting before he goes is next Sunday evening. So we're going to be praying for him next Sunday evening. Uh, so I want to urge you, be, come and be part of that as, we, as he goes in a few weeks' time. Next Sunday evening as we pray for him. Just to mention actually, about while we're talking about Dash, I can carry on embarrassing him. He can't do anything there. Um, he's going to be uh, changing what he's doing work-wise in the next few weeks. He's going to be uh, coming on staff to work for us for the next six months and to coordinate what happens in the city with a New Day project. So once he comes back from Zimbabwe, he won't be returning to Sainsbury's, but we're returning to work full-time with us, so do pray for him for that. And he's got a huge task ahead of him, and uh, do pray for God's grace on him, particularly as he has to work for me, uh, as he's involved with those things in the next few months. But, you know, we've got our heart to impact nations. See, a way to impact nations with the gospel is to plant churches. Because out of vibrant local churches can come mission, social action and ongoing evangelism. In Revelation 7 we read this, John says, After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Friends, in heaven there will be people from every nation, every tribe, every people group, every language. Wouldn't it be great if we had a mix of that that represented the church now? as well as then, wouldn't it be great if we were touching other nations in our city? We were reaching other people groups around us. 
Wouldn't it be great if we are reaching nations that are before us? Some of you may go to be involved in that. Imagine what it would be like if you met someone in heaven from another nation, another people group, who could say to you, you know, I'm only here because you prayed, or you sent someone, or you came. Wouldn't it be great? Friends, I want to share with you, I'm so excited about our future, what is before us. I think there are so many opportunities that are opening up to us. I feel like our vision is expanding. I feel like even in the last few weeks our vision is broadening, that God is widening it and is opening things up to us. And so I want to ask you, are you with us in this? As God is speaking to us, do you want to be part of this? We've all got a part to play. Every single one of us have got a part to play in this. As we seek to build a church that honours God, as we seek to be a people that love God, love one another, love those who don't know Jesus yet, and reach the nations for Jesus. We're in it together. God has called us together for great purposes. And wouldn't it be great if we could look back in years ahead and see all that God has done. Wouldn't it be great if we could look back in a few years and it wouldn't just be things that we talk about this morning, but that we can see evidence of what God has built among us and what he's done to glorify his name. Amen? Let's stand and pray as we finish. Lord Jesus, thank you uh, that you've called us together as a people to honour you. Thank you, Lord, that you're building a community here of people who love you, of people who love one another, of people who love those who don't know Jesus yet, and of people who have got a heart to reach other nations. Lord, thank you that you said you are building your church. Thank you that you are committed to it. Thank you that you are committed to us. And so we lay this before you and say, Lord, would you build a church that glorifies your name? Father, would you use us in the process to honour you? Would you use us to, to would you help us to love you? Lord, would you help us to love one another? Lord, would you help us to love those who don't know Jesus yet? Would you help us as we look at opportunities that are before us? Would you help us, Lord, to reach other nations? Lord God, that we might honour you in all that we do. Father, we've dreamt this morning of something that could be ahead of us, of what Jubilee could be like. And so I pray, oh God, you would put it in each of us to be part of this. Thank you, Lord, that you've got a part for every single one of us to play. Lord, thank you that none of us is excluded. Lord, whether we've known you a matter of weeks or for years. Father, whether we would call ourselves gifted in this area or not, Lord, you've got a part for every single one of us to play. And so I pray, Lord, that in the coming weeks and months ahead, each of us would find out what that part is. Father, I pray for each of us that we'd have a part to play, each of us that we'd be owning part of this vision, each of us that we'd be honouring you in one way or another with what we're doing in building your church. Lord, thank you that you're committed to us. Thank you that you are for us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for your grace and your mercy on our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.